0: Even though you can't see us, we're always right here. Because we're the world's most transparent podcast, the pod people. I'm John Cena. <laughs>
1: I am the hollow man or... uh. Mr. Translucent or uh, aka <laughs> the, the, the man made of glass aka <laughs> the AKA. man that's very hard to see sometimes
2: <laughs> especially in the dark whoa got it nailed it and I'm Ben Sheets nailed it nice. also known as that you are? wow um, hi I'm Cleveland Mosier and uh hashtag not all invisible men <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I wasn't expecting
0: that. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Well, today we're coming at you with a double dose of horror. We'll be talking about the oldest film we've ever talked about on the podcast, and also the newest film we've ever talked about on the podcast. (laughs)
1: Because
0: it's current. (laughs) That's right. Wow. Wow. It's an invisible week here at the Pod People, and we're going to kick things off by talking about the original Invisible Man from 1933, directed by James Whale and starring Claude Rains, Gloria Stewart, and William Harrigan. And it is based upon the novella by H.G. Wells of the same title about a mad scientist who turns himself invisible and goes on a little killing spree. Uh, so,
2: I was looking at the IMDB page for the new Invisible Man, and I thought you would pronounce the director's name wrong because it's lay Lee Leigh And I yeah. thought you said Whale. No. Like, like some uh, weird pronunciation. Oh. Yeah, James Whale <laughs> This is
0: Welsh uh, Whale 1L wh- N-
2: is the N silent The double N <laughs>
0: You gotta slow your roll, Cleveland. We're not there yet. We're mm-hmm. not there yet. Yeah, yeah, um, we're starting in the past. Yeah, we're gonna do a, uh, a pretty short review of this one. It is, uh, like we said, the oldest film we've talked about on the podcast so far from 1933. Uh, James Whale is the uh, legendary English universal horror director who gave us uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, two of the uh, greatest horror classics of all time, and uh, The Invisible Man is maybe my f- Favorite universal monster film from this era. It's a good
1: pick. It's definitely up there, yeah. It's the most science fiction-y yes. of
0: them, I would say.
2: I would need a little more time to stew on that just because I grew up on all the others but missed this one somehow. Like, my yeah, dad... that's
0: surprising. Out of all people, like you're the one among us who should have seen this before right. and it was me who like, had. My,
2: my dad made it a point to like ingrain all like the classic universal like monster movies just into my head before uh, really I was even old enough to, like, even then. One of my first memories is, like, seeing King Kong, the original, when I was way too young. And the shot of its face close up that like was like a giant studio head. I won't yeah, get into it. But anyway. I think you've
0: talked about that yeah, on the show yeah. before. Um, but anyway, I love those films. But somehow this one slipped through the cracks. Um, and this one, this is my favorite. Uh, Invisible Man might also be my favorite H.G. Wells story. It's a tough one because all the ones I've read are fucking bangers. Yeah, War of the Worlds is definitely mine. War of the Worlds is great. But the that's, Time Machine that's an is great. There's something, about, there's something about the Invisible Man that I love so much because it feels more like a character study than anything else. And it
2: is... ...our universal, like, favorite story arc, too, I think. Like, the Descent into Madness is something yeah. that, you know, like, we can all agree with. We wrote, like, our high school story about, like, a descent into madness. It's, like, mad scientists are kind of things we we, we love to bits.
0: True that. So
2: I uh, I definitely hear that. I definitely hear that. I think I think Dracula is probably my favorite.
1: I just—I love Bela Lugosi's performance in that so I would say the much. OG Frankenstein is actually my favorite. That's a really fun one. There's so many good ones, though. This one in particular was really interesting because— because it was in the couple-year period before the Haze Code. It really didn't cut corners in what it showed. The it's very worth were, bringing the up. The stuff like, they were
0: able to get away with, like, for a 1930s film, uh, there's some some very surprising things that you would not expect to see. At all, and the pacing is really
2: fun. I'd recommend it, uh, even if, like, you're generally not a fan of, like, those old classics. It's very
1: fun. Yeah, That's it's what, fun, yeah. it's macabre, and it's a joy to laugh with. I think. The, the effects are absolutely incredible, too. So Especially good. for the time that it was Surprisingly, made.
0: Surprisingly, like... The masking looks great. I remember the first time I saw it in college being like, how the fuck did they pull off these effects in 1933? The part at the beginning when he's, like, first going on his uh, his initial rampage and he's, like, taking off his bandages and all of his clothes and, like, just, like, a pair of pants running around. It's really good! Yeah, it, it looks, looks great. great! Like, a lot of the, like, you can, you can kind Kind of see some of the masking a little bit at mm-hmm. times, but most of the time, like it still holds up incredibly well because
2: yeah, they're watching like, an HD version of it, too, Yeah,
0: like which normally would put all the bad
2: qualities on full blast. You'd yeah. see like all the, the tracing and everything more clearly. But here it was clear as hell. There are, like, A-budget movies in, like, the 80s and 90s that that have worse, like, tracing or masking than, oh, absolutely. than that film. Like, yeah. It was meticulously done.
0: I will. I would say that uh, uh, The Invisible Man has better effects than Event Horizon. <laughs> 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 Aww. Oh Oh, Poor Event Horizon. Poor Event Horizon. <laughs> so too mean to event Horizon now. I think we'll to do Event Horizon on the podcast at some point. I think it would be fun. I, yeah. I, think, I think it would be an event. But, uh... No horizon what i really like about this film too is the pacing because it's only 71 minutes so it's just over an hour it's extremely short and they don't dick around at all like it is uh just very tight fast-paced fun the whole time totally nothing to do with the story that's not true i mean okay it does but Oh fuck! I didn't have a chance to read it again. It has the same. It has the same basic structure. the The Invisible Man shows up at this like little inn in some small town in England. He's trying to discover a cure in solitude. Uh, he gets made by the locals and uh, decides to go on a killing spree. He goes back to his old partner and tries to uh, convince him to help him on a reign of terror. So Manipulate can, manipulatively, like ropes him in, right? So he can rule the world. Through. That invisible man
2: could rule the invisible world with invisible power!
0: And uh, and then there's like a big a big uh, police hunt. So like structure wise, it's pretty much identical. So
2: all those same events occur in the book. Okay. Yeah. The other thing me, it was yeah. a very long time ago when I read. As far it, when as, I read it, as
0: far as I can recall, the biggest difference is there was another like kind of sidekick character that he that he recruited to to sort of like help him with his megalomaniacal plan, who is actually like kind of into it interesting you know i must i'm remembering the book entirely
2: wrong i had i had thought that the majority of the story was his discovery of no oh wow okay well
0: no now he's already invisible when the story starts shit all right well i I definitely need (laughs) i definitely need to to re uh
2: to revisit that one it's but while i would say
0: that like it's probably eighth grade when i read it the novella is like pretty legitimately like quite dramatic and like has like a real touch of tragedy sort of about it the character. It's very serious tone. It's it's tonally very serious and this movie is extremely goofy. Yes. Yeah. Like,
1: it almost feels is. like a showcase for cool special effects. It does, oh it just you know? is. They In cut anyways. to the chase. It's pretty light on exposition. You know you get enough story to keep you invested. But... Every type of trick that they could think of pulling off
2: they had an excuse to try. Yeah. Like, like if if someone's getting bopped in the head with like cutlery, that's going to happen. Things are going to get picked up. The whole nine yards. We can go. We, there's no reason to go on about it. Go see it for yourself. It's great.
0: Yeah. There's a there's a lot of like Three Stooges style like yes, comedy well bits. Yeah. Uh, a lot of
2: physical comedy. Yeah.
0: Claude Rains is the Invisible Man, and he's great. Uh, he does a fantastic performance for somebody who is invisible. You don't even actually see his face until the very end when he dies. And it, like the tone is all over the goddamn
2: place too. Because like even as as campy as he is like claude rains makes some very serious threats oh yeah during that movie where it's just like yes and then I'll, I'll cut you up into tiny pieces and you know like slit your throat while you're sleeping ah, i'm crazy and then he goes back into like goofy shenanigans
0: and <laughs> it's just like <laughs> just total disparity i, I love it i yeah. love it yeah, for that honestly do y'all want to uh, rate this one quickly and then move on? Yes. Oh, five stars. Loved it. Uh, yeah, four and a half for me. It's a I love four it. for
1: me. It's a really fun movie. It's worth checking out, especially in terms of the older ones. If, if you're a fan of that stuff. One uh, aside I want to mention before we move on. Uh, the Invisible Man subgenre is very much a thing. There's tons of, yes. you know adjacent movies, but one I wanted to quickly mention is uh, Memories of an Invisible Man, directed by John Carpenter Wait, from 1992, what? where Taiwan. Chevy Chase is the Invisible Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> that exists? It's like a weird comedy. It's not good. It's not good uh, at all. It's such a bizarre movie, though. It has Daryl Hannah and Stephen Tobolowsky and Michael McKean, and uh, who else is in that one? Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Oh, uh, Sam Neill is not that, um, but it, it's a bizarre movie. I just wanted to mention, like, they've done so many Invisible yeah. Man movies that it's almost its own subgenre well, at this point
0: and you know like The Invisible Man was a big part of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen we won't talk about that film too much then there Why was not? Uh, it's there was, the, ah. was uh, Hollow Man, Man by Verhoeven uh, starring Kevin Bacon which I've never seen but uh, yeah like The Invisible Man much like all of the other Universal Monster movies is like part of the horror canon and uh, uh, oh by the way average of four and a half out of five for the original one based on our <laughs> reviews can't forget that Nice. Um, but yeah so so let's use that as a segue to move into the brand new uh, Invisible Man from yes. this year, 2020. As uh, as you mentioned, Cleveland directed by Lee Wannell, writer of uh, the original Saw and also writer and director of Upgrade, which we've talked about on the podcast before, a film that we all really enjoyed. This movie stars Elizabeth Moss, Oliver Jackson Cohen, Harriet Dyer, and Aldous Hodge, and... Holy shit! This movie vastly exceeded my expectations. What, what, the Same. reason
1: I brought up the subgenre thing is it it plays a good segue into this movie and my feelings on it. Yes. Um, there's a reason the Invisible Man subgenre died out because a lot of these movies were trash. Yeah. Memories of Invisible Man was trash. Hollow Man was trash. It's an inherently campy premise and it's hard to nail a movie with a campy premise without being too goofy and i think this is one of the biggest hallmarks of this movie is it takes a premise that is very campy is and then rule the it, invisible it, world it, it ah. turns it on its head and takes it very seriously and does it in a way that's very authentic and very current, which is so hard to do. It's, and I respect it so much for
0: that. It's a fantastic reimagining of the story and modernization as well. Yes. We talked about that a little bit when we covered the Child's Play reboot, how that felt like something very current for like the source material. And this movie does the same thing. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about our thoughts when we did our predictions based on the trailer, and the trailer, I thought, was actually pretty misleading. It looked fun, and it looked campy, which, like you said, is kind of the tone of this particular subgenre of horror, and I was shocked and pleasantly surprised at how legitimately tense this movie was. (laughs) how often I found myself on like the edge of my seat and a few times where I like gasped involuntarily. Not at all what I was expecting. Yeah, but and every
2: subversion caught me by surprise. Yeah. I-, I was rarely like ahead of the plot. There were several times where I thought I was. I appreciate the hell out of that. I think before we can really talk about why, I mean, spoiler warnings, right? It's really not worth having spoiled for you. Go see it if you can in theaters.
1: It's, it's a brand, it's, it's brand a new, yeah.
0: I would check it out. We got to see it in Dolby and yeah. it was uh, Which fantastic. recommended it. If you have an (laughs) AMC near
1: you, like, holy shit. What I wanted to mention is the trailer did make it look very campy, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was a bit nervous going into it because of that. Because, you know, the subject matter is serious, you know? An abusive relationship is something that... (laughs) is hard to nail when you're joking about, you know, like it's. I'm not going to say it's not doable, but it's it's fucking hard. It's a sore subject. Yeah, yeah. i I right now. And I'm so glad that it was handled with maturity. You know, there are some you know bigger moments in this movie, but they didn't feel unwarranted or undeserved. Yeah, you know, there's flourishes in this movie of the upgrade, Laywinnell. Yeah, totally.
0: Um, Some of the same camera tricks
1: yep. and stuff, but this movie felt like so much more mature than upgrade. It's like night and day. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're different movies. You know, you they're have going to take different, different approaches with them. I, but I really respect it for that. Same. Yeah, I agree. Like, it
2: really shows like Lee's um, range.
1: And I, I would I would definitely agree seeing it in Dolby. We're lucky to have a Dolby theater in Durham. It's my like go to theater experience, like best screen and best sound system. Yeah. And this in film is so
2: reliant on sound. The, yes. the the audio and the sound design plays such a crucial role in the horror and in the tension because like that's like audio becomes for a large portion of the movie the only means you have of identifying like where the man is your vi- your villain is on.
0: invisible so being able to hear things is very important and there's a lot of the movie that is silent or rather devoid of music and I thought that that was a really good choice the, the score is done by uh, Ben Benjamin Wallfish, who did uh, Blade, Blade Runner, Runner 2049. Yeah, uh, along with Hans Zimmer. Do you know if he did the Upgrade soundtrack? I'm pretty sure
1: he did. Okay. Yeah, that I would make so. sense. You know, some of the same textures.
0: This movie, like, while it is very different from Upgrade, Lee L has, as a director, has, like, a very distinct style. Well, and he has his taste. You know, yeah. you have
1: the same kind of futurist architecture as upgrade in a lot of ways, especially
0: with the house. That's what I liked so much about this modernization is that the original story was... And is science fiction, but science fiction for a different era. You know, like the invisible. He becomes invisible through like experimenting with like chemicals and like injecting himself with shit, and, which of course drives him mad because he is a mad scientist. Right? Yeah, the chem- the chemicals drive him insane. You know, so
1: <laughs> spooky drug potions.
0: And and while that you know is is cool conceptually for like a modern film, it doesn't feel quite appropriate i don't think and the way that they that they modernized and updated that in this movie was remarkable i I, thought i
2: went into this film under the belief that you would not be able to have your cake and eat it too yeah. I, I went into this film thinking you could either and i didn't see the trailer um i even even played during the previous film that we saw, and I like closed my eyes and like hummed i, I didn't i didn't want to see anything going into this movie. I wanted it to be invisible um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, I was delightfully proven wrong. they were able to give us something that both had like the 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 dark sociopath mad scientist sort of vibe. we got that feeling we got some really cool like invisible action in this movie and we also get some very legitimate commentary that's done with such class. It's pretty tasteful, considering, like, how horrifying the subject matter is. And I think one of the things that makes it so tasteful is they did their homework. God. Well, let's, well
0: let's, let's unpack that a little bit in yeah. terms of scope. Because the original story the invisible man as i mentioned his goal uh after he's driven mad by these chemicals is world domination mm-hmm. his he he wants to institute and in his words a reign of terror or in where, this case a clawed
2: reign of terror a clawed reigns of terror
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh where he's you know uh uh, throwing the nation into uh, a state of panic by killing random people, make making them feel that nobody is safe from the Invisible Man, you know. Whereas this is a a much different focus. The Invisible Man, Adrian, is a narcissistic sociopath, and his entire goal is to essentially punish elizabeth moss for leaving him and gaslight her this is the second week in a row that we're talking about like a film that is is, heavily the season of the gaslight season of the gaslight uh and i think that that is such a good idea like not only does it make the the themes like relatable and horrifying but also like world domination isn't it's no. so overplayed well, it's, like it's such like that's a Marvel villain cute. kind of thing like, you know? like when
2: you when you see like the old one when he talks about like world domination well also like even like within the context of the original like it's it's more sad even at that point because you know that like he's he's lost his mind to the degree where he even believes that as an invisible man he can control the world well yeah because like, he's already gone full bonkers at that point
0: in the in the novella like what makes the ending so sad is that like he gets eventually cornered by a bunch of townspeople and they like beat him to death and as before he dies he's like begging for his life and for mercy and like it really paints a picture of somebody who has you know been been driven mad by his own experiments somebody who is mentally unwell whereas in this movie like he is a cold, calculating, brilliant sociopath. Mm-hmm. Well, if anything,
1: I have to say I'm glad that The Mummy failed because this was originally going to be one of the dark pictures. Oh, the, ju- dark, the, kind of the of universal the dark universe. universe.
0: Yeah, And I think... Johnny Depp was supposed to be the the Invisible Man originally. Can you imagine? I think if The Mummy was
1: successful, this would have been a much different movie, and it probably would have been world domination. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad that they took a step back after that and realized, hey, let's... Think about this more. Put more thought into this, yeah. and let someone do their own creative vision. I
0: with don't it. think I don't think Lee L was even attached to The Invisible Man until after the Mummy failed, and they kind of killed the Dark Universe. And fuck, man, am I so so glad well, that happened? I don't want a fucking. <laughs> Universal I mean, monster movie cinematic universe. It's still kind of set
2: up for it. That's what I love. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> we never saw we never saw uh uh Dr. Jekyll show up to recruit hey, the Invisible. We didn't no, stay no, until no after but she the has a suit. She has a suit. Like, she does. She and, does and, and suit. you
2: know, she gets that look and that smile, like, oh hey, maybe I'm a sociopath too now. Which I like I like that they keep it ambiguous because I don't necessarily like like that. Like I'd ra- I'd much rather her like go on to just not be a victim or whatever. I like That's great i
0: like the ending i hope there's not a sequel to this movie i hope they don't continue this big same <laughs> i that. i think that it is uh very well self-contained i think that it ends poetically and wonderfully and just let that be it <laughs> i will say <laughs> though
2: if they do they do it i'll still go- gladly go see it even if it is campy garbage and won't feel too bad about it i'm saying that hindsight's 2020 and open to being extremely wrong yeah this will but we're, because this is, we're recording I would, <laughs> <I would. laughs> well this is why i'm putting the pre- uh, the preface on it but because i love the effects so much i i want to see more you know like if it has to go a campy route or whatever i'd be
1: okay oh with it. i i don't know if i'd be okay with that because this movie is so mature so thoughtful you have to separate the two that yeah that you
0: can't do a direct sequel and make it campy i don't know if that would really work there's so little that's actually campy in this movie. I think I laughed once the entire time. And what was that I, one bit? Because, like, the audience laughed. There was a part in the movie... I've already forgotten what made me laugh, honestly. There was, a,
1: there was a moment earlier in the movie where she first says to Adrian's brother that she thinks there's an invisible man that had people chuckle a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't even think it was that funny. I didn't... I That was not the part that made me laugh. Like Like, it does a great job of, like making her sound crazy which I think like her her story
2: trying to do that like it was all with intent
0: it's fucking gaslighting Mm -hmm. like tormenting somebody with the intent of making them doubt their own sanity and making others doubt their sanity and it's done so fucking well in in some ways it almost reminds
1: me of the approach that the original Candyman takes in that like there's that ambiguity to the outside world of whether the main character is doing Doing this, or if it's an exterior force. No, I was going to bring up Candyman as well. What's so
2: great about that is, and I was I was thinking about this during during like the the first act is this film like it spares no fat with the intro. Which was perfect. Like the,
1: the intro, start is ace.
0: The intro is incredible. Like There's so that's, much tension. Yes. that's when I knew that like we were in for something that I was not expecting. The whole like first ten or so minutes of the movie is like her running away from from from. It's Adrian. set
1: up like a prison escape. It sequence. is because yeah. well, it is.
0: Yeah. And uh, she's like executing her escape plan from his like crazy high tech mansion mm-hmm. uh, on on the coast uh, that I in just in such a way that was just like so insanely tense with no setup, but we get everything we need from it, you know, yeah, everything. And here's
2: here's what's even better. Like that that trend continues to carry on as we move into like the meat of the first act where we as an audience. We know there's an invisible man. The movie is called Invisible Man. We bought our tickets. We're sitting in the seats. Right. Like we we're aware we're watching this movie. And any other film would would go through the whole first act with this like is it or is it not bit where the the char- we have to watch the character like figure it out in real time. But the the beauty of 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 this bit uh, of the way that this film handled it is because she is already paranoid she is already primed. Right. And she's believably paranoid. She does things that, like, people who have been, like, abuse victims would do. Oh, fucking chef's kiss for that. So it it allows
0: us to get straight to the tension. Like you said, too, like, it primes her story to be unbelievable, Mm -hmm. even to, like, her loved ones, to, like, her sister and her friend who she's staying with. Like, They know how damaged she is from this experience. So when she starts like having a breakdown because she realizes that Adrian is not dead, that he's alive, and he has found a way to make himself invisible and is tormenting her, of course nobody's going to believe it. It's a far-fetched premise as it is, but she's traumatized. She has PTSD, and honestly, one of my few complaints with the movie, and it's a— overall relatively minor complaint is when she actually gives the exposition of how he abused her. I didn't think it was necessary. I think the opening bit, like her fear and her terror, says everything it needs to. I don't think we needed that detail. I think I
2: think that like your average audiences did. And what I'll say about that sequence, I fully agree with you. It's not terrible. It felt felt like like something that like maybe you know like was executively like, hey, look, we need to make this a little bit more clear for for modern audiences. But with that big assumption in mind, like it was well, it was well done regardless. Like, her acting during that scene is quite, like, emotive and powerful. I actually
1: didn't mind it. I I thought... More was said in what she didn't say than mm, what sure. she said, and, it and that's us additional why us that's,
0: that's kind of my point, though, is, like, there's so much more in what isn't said, so I don't think you need to say anything.
2: It's not necessary, but I do enjoy what it gave us additionally, with, like, because her talking about how, like, he was—how much he was in her head with her thoughts. I think even,
0: you
1: know— I, I, I enjoyed that. What, like, what she's able to share says a lot about, you know, her— internal experience and the the trauma and how it affects her directly. And it kind of builds her character in a weird way. I actually thought it was kind of necessary. It just gives Um, us an
2: opportunity to like, to relate with her in
1: dialogue and allow Elizabeth Moss to like, to so much of the movie is so subjective to her view. Sure. That alone builds, you know, some of that perspective in how she views the situation on how she can externalize some of it, but not all of it. I thought it was really well handled. I, Perfectly. I think all of the subjectivity of the film was excellently handled. I, w- um, I will agree with that. You know, she she felt like she was a legitimate trauma victim.
0: I guess, I guess what my problem really comes down to is... I think Lee L is a good writer. I don't think he's a great dialogue writer. That was one of my problems with Upgrade, too, that some of the dialogue feels unnatural, and it, ha- it has less to do with the performance and more of just, like, I don't feel like that's necessarily what people say it's a nitpick because I loved this movie and I thought that like structurally it's so well-written. I just, it's important I just to look for those things. I just, and I just it was so that, we talk about them. I, I think, think it's a point of podcast. I just think is. that Lee yeah. L like could, could do with some tightening up of his dialogue. I mean, look, he, he look at like the first saw. And I mean, that was like almost 20 years ago at this point, <laughs> yeah. but like the dialogue in the first saw is fucking terrible. It's, 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 very it's bad. And I think that he has, he is getting, I think he's getting better, but I just like at that, at that years, point yeah, when I he's know. like sitting, when he's like sitting at the, she's like sitting at the table with James and his, and her sister. and it's just like explaining the stuff. It's like, okay, fine. Sure. But I felt like I got, so much of that context just from that opening scene and the way that she behaves i like i i think that that speaks so much more so much more poignantly than her saying like he was abusive and he hit me and he got in my head and stuff like that that's thought, that's a matter of personal yeah. taste though cuz
2: like that that spooked me out a little bit too like they asked like you know did he, did he hit you and and she made she it, says among other among things. other and i was like you yeah, that, that made my stomach what turn. i will
0: say the the one part that i thought was actually quite good was when she's saying how she was sitting in his house one time like thinking about how to escape and he was just like staring at her and without her saying anything he said you'll never be able to leave me that was that's like the one exception <laughs> i'll make i thought yeah i thought the whole, <laughs> whole fucking spine Jill. him
1: wanting to control her thoughts was really disturbing um i thought that was an interesting thing to mention too mm-hmm. Because it really shows
0: the the depth of the abuse that she was, and I mean, he kind of is doing that throughout the movie. Yeah, He's yeah. controlling her thoughts. Well,
2: every everything about his character like says meticulousness. Yeah, you know, like he's he's very careful about all those things. He's a scientist and a sociopath. <laughs> and it yeah, they really, really they really nailed the sociopathy and didn't just do like you know, like, the textbook, like, basics for it. I appreciate that. To carry on that that subject, too, like, this, this film utilizes that concept of invisibility very well from a point of commentary as well. She is treated as an invisible person. Yeah. Like, by not being heard. And when it comes to doing that sort of thing in a film that is so conceptually goofy... You know, like it's about a mad scientist, you know, like who goes, who turns invisible. It's one of the wackiest ideas you can have to pull off that kind of commentary is not easy to do. And I want to bring up one of the ways right off the bat they do it so well. First off, you're gearing yourselves towards a demographic that is largely turned off by a lot of that kind of stuff right now. We have a lot of Hollywood films that, you know, insert that kind of commentary for the sake of doing it and not with any, like, real quality, with any real ability. And so it's it's more, it's a hand wave. This movie, one of the things it does so well is it doesn't make an enemy out of, like, all men or anything like that. The first male character that we really get to see, because we don't get we don't really see Jack um, during that scene. They do a good job of, like, hiding his face in the shadow. Adrian? Uh, Adrian, sorry, uh, Was his last name Jack? Um, No,
0: Adrian Griffin.
2: Oh, Oliver Jacks is the the actor's name. Okay, that's what it was, yeah. Adrian Griffin. We only see his face in shadow. The first man that we see is James. Yeah. Who's a good person. James's character, I think, is one of the focal, like, aspects that legitimize a lot of the, um... The commentary it's it's why i kind of picked that like that intro bit you know as is, is a joke uh, there is not all well. invisible men, yeah, yeah hashtag not all invisible men shut the fuck up this is an important topic to talk about and it's not necessarily talking about you right like it's not all men But it's talking about abusive men. And this character is an abusive man. And by giving us an example of a good man as well, fucking hats off. Like, and we can we can all sit back and enjoy like that without feeling like no one feels that you're you're, no one being attacked
0: without feeling preachy. Right. Exactly. It's
1: definitely a feminist movie. Without being a girl boss movie, you yeah. know it's no—it's actually it's feminist. Not, it's not the perfection.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, forgive a straight white man like telling you what it is, but I don't think like, this
0: movie actually passes the Bechdel test. She's always talking about a man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, they, they talk about Parsons
0: a little bit. That's true. They talk about college. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, bad joke, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you though. Like it, it feels like it has. Important commentary without like Attacking anybody or rubbing Anybody's face in anything And and to be fair
2: too like I don't think that was necessary I think it was necessary to win over Like every demographic but they didn't Have to they could have also just made it out like This man bad and not given an example and that Would have been fine too I think it's important to say that Like I'm not I I don't want to be an apologist Like Like, 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 look at at the way they
0: handle this Film in contrast to a movie like The Perfection mm, like I was saying earlier Yeah Yeah, exactly Uh, the reason I'm always saying That is I don't want to come
2: across like a like a a, a men's rights apologist or anything <laughs> no, no, no. like it, Jesus not, Christ. It's
1: not a cheap girl boss movie yeah. in that like it feels like unearned female empowerment. It is like a legit feminist movie in a yeah. lot of ways Everything and like in it. a way that feels deserved and authentic. And I think, you know, one thing I want to talk about even more is how great Elizabeth Moss's performance She's in this is. She's nailed it. it. Uh, yeah. I think that's what really sells a lot of it and really... Pushes it over the line in a good way. It makes it feel all the more real and all the more authentic, and in the end, all the more earned for the themes it's trying to convey.
2: And here's the beautiful thing about that, or one of the the things that I found especially beautiful is the one thing I would have wanted to see if you're going to replace the Mad Scientist Invisibility serum, I would still want to see the descent into madness. And the beautiful thing about it is we still get that but it's with her character.
0: Or right, it's her descent into madness. Exactly. Yeah, we still hits. get a descent yeah. into madness with well, this film. That's, it really it gives us everything. That's the thing is like that I would the, the Invisible Man is not the the protagonist of this film. Like yeah, it's not an anti-hero story for
2: once, which was so nice.
0: That's what's like I think really interesting and well executed about this film is that his presence is Felt constantly, but he has, like, he doesn't really talk at all except that, like, he has a couple lines at the very beginning and then a handful more at the very end. But he's always silent, he's unseen. It's like everything hinges entirely upon. Elizabeth Moss's performance.
1: And, yes. you know, in addition, you know, they I, I do want to say they do a great job compositionally shooting empty space throughout oh this God. movie yeah, in yes. a really excellent way. Even when people are talking, they'll rack focus to put focus on a corner yeah. or
0: something like that. Where there's it, a lot of there's a lot of angles of like peeking out from like behind a wall. So it's like it gives that kind of voyeuristic quality mm-hmm. Without, It really contextualizes scenes. Yeah. But without without being like the trope of looking through the eyes of the killer, like it never feels like that. It always just like the cinematography is used in such a way to feel like you are spying on the characters, but not that you are seeing literally through the eyes of yeah. the villain. To, yeah. to the point
2: where halfway through the film, I was worried it was going to go in the direction of like she was actually going mad.
1: Like, well, that's one that would, thing I wanted to talk Wouldn't that have the worst about. twist? Uh, because, <laughs> like, you know, you were mentioning that this was a descent into madness of some sorts uh, for Elizabeth Moss. I would contend that she is a rational actor throughout the whole thing, and it's externalized as madness. Well, it's a a descent into madness that's led by
2: Gaslight. It's not the same type of madness. It's not that Hollywood, like,
1: wacky, like, insanity. She's she's even acting rational through it. It's it's that people perceive her actions as As Yeah, as an invisible person. I I think that's a really poignant point, especially in a Me Too era Mm -hmm. where these people that accuse others of doing awful, terrible, unspeakable things can just be called crazy or
0: vindictive or out to get clout or fame. They're erased. They are made invisible. Yeah, Yeah. and I
1: think it's really, really smart. I Um, couldn't yeah, I could not agree agree more. I think
2: what I mean by that is like we still get a dissent. In that, like, by a certain point, when she's brought to, like, the mental institution, there's even self-doubt from her for a moment. For just a second, we, we were kind of brought to wonder, maybe she is. And maybe, like, she, or at least I was thinking, like, oh, uh, you know, like, it, the, the film could go in a direction where, like, she was responsible well, there, still for those things.
0: There are a couple of times, especially towards the very end it was very of the Fight Club esque the way that
2: they were setting those things up, I felt gaslit. By the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like it 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 takes you there. That descent is is I guess what I'm really trying to to get my finger under. But you're absolutely right, Ben. She stays like relatively steadfast. She only wavers for like a moment, you know, before like maintaining her convictions. And we we get that descent, and then we get to come back up out of the valley with her, and like see her like like fucking take charge at the end of it. Fuck yeah. Like, well, you know, I think it. that
0: I think that you could argue for a fair amount of ambiguity at the end. I like that it doesn't explicitly say certain things. Mm-hmm. I, I'll hold off on that before we get into the the very end, because there's a couple other things I want to talk about. Yeah, because like, we still haven't spoiled the big thing. No, but before we do uh we've been sort of dancing around time. uh the actual uh source of his invisibility which unlike the original story as a a, a serum he has created a fucking like ninja gaiden suit <laughs> that turns him invisible uh as the
2: designer on the podcast i'm gonna throw up my opinion and say it was dope it's fucking cool it's the coolest fucking cool i loved it Perfect. 10 out of 10 on design. It's just covered in eyes. Like it's so spooky. Well, looking. yeah, cuz they're
0: all they're all cameras. You get the impression that like the way it works is that it's using the video of what is like behind on the it, other like side of the cameras of him are moving and, project, and projecting and projecting get, it like, on the, the front. The yeah. The clicking
2: noises and you hear it at the very beginning like when she's leaving, when she walks by the 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 lab room, you hear that like clicking yeah. noise. So that means like it was like observing her when it was walking by automatically, which is so fucking cool, the like suit looking was back. Great, yeah. But you know what it reminded me of too is like the clicking sound like that the predator
0: makes. A little bit. You yeah, because I mean, like the predator plays with invisibility. this like... movie this movie has fucking shades of predator all over it. Yes. <laughs> it does in so many good ways. But, um yeah, in like the best ways. Yeah,
2: which considering like the last predator film that came out, like thank god. Cuz you know
0: like one of the one of the like inherently goofy things about the premise of the original is is that like it he's makes naked him it make, all the time right, it makes him invisible he's a nudie boy but running his around clothes are still and it like he if he eats like you can see the the food like in his stomach and stuff like that it's kind of goofy just like the idea of this man running around with his right that, balls that he can't, out. That he can't like, rob a bank until he takes a shit <laughs> right exa- yeah exactly <laughs> Like before they revealed the suit itself there were like a few times where I was like wondering if it was almost like inconsistency like yeah. continuity stuff because i it's thought
2: really well too because like, there's I, so I, much tack
0: in the mansion i of course assumed that it was some kind of like invisibility serum and there's like the part at the beginning where she's like cooking and she like kind of as she walks away like the knife is like pulled off of the the counter and then like the gas gets turned up and the fire is set but i'm like where's the knife the knife got pulled off but where did it go it's like oh because <laughs> He put it in his suit, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he didn't put it in his butt. No, he, well, that's that's what I was thinking. It's like, where did the knife go? Did he did he put it in his butt? How? <laughs> <Did she? laughs> <laughs> well, it's like if there's the part where you see, uh, you like kind of hear him sit down, and you see like the indentation in the chair. And I was just thinking, like. Man, I hope he's not sweaty or it's going to leave like an imprint of like sweaty balls behind (laughs) in that that leather in that leather chair, (laughs) which would have which would have been infinitely less intimidating and infinitely more hilarious. And I and, you know, once again, it's a fucking modern film. It's 2020, you know, so like and they live in San Francisco, too, of all places, like the technological hub of America. So. Like, I think it's it's smart to do it as as, Silicon Valley. Yeah. well,
2: Well, and the best part about it, too, is like I'm so goddamn tired of the Marvel movies and and I grew up loving like superhero movies. So to see like a tech suit again in a film with good writing and commentary is all I've been fucking asking for. So it was it was great. And essentially, this character is evil Tony Stark. Kind of, yeah. And you know, he's he's got his house looks a lot like Tony Stark's. His lab area is like it looks it, it's very minimal, like a garage, and he's got like the other like suits set up. That was by intention. Like sure, it looks probably. like the same lab that like Tony Stark built his Iron Man suit. It's like roughly the same size and like the all the concrete walls and it's all like cool, but it's on the California coast. It's mod,
1: yeah. Like,
2: yeah, it, it's um he's they're they're playing off that idea. I love that. Like like seeing like uh this sort of this subverse version of, of tony stark
1: i definitely saw the upgrade comparison with that you know yeah. with the high tech stuff influencing the approach of the film in a really interesting way um i thought that stuff was a great modernization one thing i want to talk about a little bit is the subplot of adrian really wanting a baby Oh yeah, uh, you know, early on in the film, she in in the 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 speech where she oh, was God. explaining what happened to her, he actually uh, she actually mentioned that he was trying to have a baby, and she, uh, she knew she would be stuck in the relationship if that came to be. Yeah. So she was, which is very real secretly secretly for a lot of people taking birth control.
0: I agree. That's actually like the one part of that scene that I do think like that exposition is very crucial Mm -hmm. because it it comes back around at the end. I mean, it's it's ultimately why he doesn't kill her when he has many many opportunities to he never wants to you know and because his
2: goal is to bring her back
0: right well and it's revealed that she is indeed pregnant later on Mm -hmm. in the movie he was actually he knew she was taking birth control and switched her pills with something else
1: the thing is too i remember that being said immediately and it gave like a really unnerving edge to the rest of the movie yeah and then even though that was fresh in my mind throughout i was still
0: unnerved and surprised it gave when it everything came, an yeah.
1: extremely
0: like rapey uh subtext yeah yes. big
2: trigger warning on that uh <laughs> yikes uh this even though he never does Which, in
0: the movie that we um, see no and but... i
2: i appreciate too like that that information is revealed during the um the mental institution sequence where time Becomes very blurry, and so we do not know when any like conception occurred or anything like that. So we don't really have context over I, it, and I, I appreciate that ambiguity. And I think that's all that
1: was needed. I feel like is fair. Maybe this is just my interpretation, but I feel like it was clear that it was yeah. after he had died. Oh Uh really?
2: Yeah. Well, they said they said month or two. So like, no, he said within within a within
0: a month, and the events of this take place two weeks after she escaped. So I read it as it would not it would have happened before he quote unquote died.
1: Yeah. Well, I figured that she had been staying there for. Uh, weeks until. Oh, I didn't no, get that impression. No. At I all. think they were very ambiguous with time
2: because uh, she was being drugged and doped. Um, so that's probably why it felt like so dilated.
1: Well, the other thing I wanted to mention about that is immediately after she had mentioned that in the, the speech she gave about what happened to her, I was nervous that. He was going to be naked throughout.
0: Yeah, right.
1: You know, and I, I, I felt like that was going to inevitably a check be a Chekhov's gun, a Chekhov's rape. Yeah, well, <sighs> it really gave such a sinister feel to the stalking that happens yeah, in the movie totally. because you feel like she might actually get raped or sexually abused while they're not too explicit with that stuff. I think to the movie's benefit.
2: Yeah, no, like, it, you like know, it it didn't it, it, it shone a spotlight on it from a distance it adds, and that it was adds that's an how extra you
0: it. it adds an extra layer of menace without ever actually going there to the point of gratuity. I think it's like just well just the right level of like Really, like, making the, setting the stakes and, like, the creepiness, but thank God we didn't get an invisible right. rape. Right, because what's, I what's didn't the, that. no,
2: no one does, no one does, and, like, it's, it's already so overdone with, like, showing that the villain is a villain because they're rapey. We didn't need it. You know, like it, it, they didn't need to put it any more out there than they did yeah. like it's it's done it's it's hackney, and also it's it's usually utilized for the wrong reasons, and here it was it provided commentary and and it was softly said, you know but but still like confidently said and i, I appreciate that. I
1: think the moment she learns she's pregnant is like the true breaking point for her as a character, yeah, in a really interesting way. Right after we get the reveal that you know the the brother Tom, who's you know controlling the estate, mm-hmm. is also in on it.
0: Dun dun dun! And uh, <laughs> I love the bait and I, switch. I, I did I love I, this. I did call that. Not outwardly, but like... <laughs> yeah, you should have leaned
2: over and said something. I,
0: I should have. That is, I would say that a lot of the twists caught me by surprise, except that one. I, the um, brother is so, like, outwardly menacing. I'm like, I bet he's in on
2: it. Yeah, well, he he's definitely, like, outwardly menacing, and he looks like a pawn in this scenario, which is great, because it harkens back to the original one. This movie does delightfully, like, pay homage. Sydney... Uh, wants to go into modeling school so they have this wonderful excuse to have a mannequin in her house. Yeah. Um they do like kind of a fun like play with that uh and of course like the brother represents like the that, that same manipulated character but we see him from a different perspective. I
0: also think that And he's better well I think that the Adrian's house I think his address is 1933. I might have <gasps> missed that. Oh, I, that might, be I might I might be making though. that up but I think his his address is
2: 1933.
0: Oh, w-
1: wouldn't that be uh, just a treat? The whole segment of the the, you know, reveal of the brother being in on it, it felt like it was almost paying homage to Rosemary's baby. The multiple people being in on wanting the seed. I didn't make that connection, but
0: that's a great point. Yeah, and
1: it it has that same sort of menace of being forced into spawning this child against your will. And it's really horrifying, but it's done with such class and such nuance um, that it doesn't feel over-the-top or hokey, really. Yeah. And, and I love it, too, because like, after he gets up during that sequence, we
2: have her looking at the couch behind him, yeah. thinking, like, oh, what if he's there? And then when the brother is... There, the, the invisible man is killed and we, we see the reveal where it's the brother. I was immediately sold on it. I was just thinking like, oh shit, what a great subversion. He did actually commit suicide. And it was the brother all along. And then shortly after that, it's also revealed that he is still alive. Well, yeah, that he's still alive, mm-hmm. but I think that... But leading up to that sequence, like, just during that, that initial epiphany, I thought, oh, wow, we've just been looking at empty spaces in the room the whole time. Cool. And if the credits had rolled there, honestly, I would have been fine. But what they did beyond that is even better.
0: Well, what I what I love why I think that even though I did kind of see it coming that the I think it's a pretty successful bait and switch is because like at one point they make the brother seem like he's also a victim yes. of, of Adrian. Like when she goes to him and like says I, he's invisible and he's still alive. And he's like, look, I get it. Like yeah. he controlled me for my entire I have life. I've also been haunted and I was relieved when he died. And like the, but like, it's such a brilliant plan. The whole point of giving her the money, the estate was so that he could frame her for murder Take threaten to take it away and then say, but if you carry the baby to term, then we'll make all this go away. You'll get to go back with Adrian. You'll be rich. You'll live the life. It's like the whole point of even like faking his death and giving her the money in the first place was all so he could get her back yes. and like that's it's such like a a well a well executed like devious layered scheme much better than anything Jigsaw
1: would come up with <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah, <I'll laughs> say, I will say after you know the brother is killed with the suit um, we get a fantastic action sequence we should say the whole 15-20 minutes in the prison to oh, the, the house the yeah. third yeah. act
2: yeah. of this movie is, rocks. Awesome. is awesome fucking the, rocks the
1: effects and and the action are just great
2: um like we get like full-on prototype stuff with like the rotating camera like upgrade Uh oh upgrade so yeah we get full-on like upgrade shots with the rotating camera and all of it thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) um after that point i will say one of my only gripes is i feel like it gets a little convoluted with finding him in the basement a and little stuff, bit, yeah, it his Leowinell's uh, saw flourishes show a little <laughs> bit. And that. I will say the twists. I mm-hmm. don't mind done. it. I don't mind it too much because we get the the justice in the end, yeah, which I feel like is earned in some totally. Respects, you
0: know, but I do. I do like that they never actually have Adrian admit that he was the one who was doing it all along. Elizabeth Moss is certain of it. She's been driven to this point. She knows. And she's, like, trying to get him to admit it, but he doesn't. And he still seems sinister enough that we can be like, oh, yeah, he was doing it all along. Also, it's his voice when he talks in those scenes.
1: And there's an implicit admission with him saying surprise. Yes,
0: Yes. sure. But I think it's still... The fact that they never explicitly say it is still, like, just ambiguous enough to say, like, was she really, like, did this whole thing drive her mad? Was it the brother all along? I think that obviously it was Adrian, but I think— I mean, regardless—what I I
2: love about that, too, is, like, regardless whether, like, it was or wasn't Adrian, like, let's say, that like, the scenario where the brother, like, hid Adrian away in the basement and did all this stuff— was the case, even then, um, he would still deserve to die. Like, oh, totally. like he would yeah. still deserve to be axed I mean, there which is great.
0: It didn't change the fact that he was an abuser all along. Well, so I,
1: like... I, I read it as him gaslighting to the end and she was giving him a chance know, be honest and you know admit ask for forgiveness and he just refused to admit any wrongdoing which is very current you know yeah. look at fucking Harvey Weinstein you know faking a walker and shit. Yeah until trying to the make end. himself seem Pathetic,
0: so he seems more innocent. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: uh, I think that is a very earned form of empowerment right there you Yeah. Know? how
2: about this movie coming out like right when Weinstein is convicted
0: perfect timing right honestly um yeah. that's my whole point about like the ambiguity being just enough to make it feel like the film might be gaslighting mm-hmm. you and that's what I like about it like you can it gives you enough that you can feel certain of Adrian's guilt but there's still just enough ambiguity that's like maybe I'm crazy, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not, and I think that that was really nice. Um, did y'all catch the very nice foreshadowing that the brother was the one in the suit at the at, at the end scene in the house when she kills him? Mm-mm. She, uh, in the prison, when he admits that he was in on it, she calls him a jellyfish. She says, you're like, mm-hmm. you're you're spineless. like Adrian, but spineless. And then when he goes to the house to kill uh, Sydney, the daughter, she's wearing a shirt with a big jellyfish. Oh, really? She's wearing a shirt with a big jellyfish. Oh, what a on good it. touch. What and good So touch. then like when she when Elizabeth Moss like shoots him and pulls off the mask and surprise it was the brother all along. Uh, it's like, ah, the jellyfish. The jellyfish gave it away. Oh, I, loved cool. nice. I love that. Nice. That's a good
2: touch. One last little thing for me. There's so many sequences where when Elizabeth Moss is first making decisions, I feel like they're bad decisions. But the more I've reflected on them, like the, the better I, I feel about them. The biggest one, of course, being her getting the suit, the dog barking, revealing that that Adrian is, is back, house, yeah. is in the house, which is well done. And her not putting it on, in the heat of the moment, I was thinking, like, oh, no, put just put on the suit. But I was also thinking, like, you can't out-invisible the invisible man. Like, like hiding it away is, like, for evidence for later. She's not going to be able to get out with
0: it. It was actually the smartest thing she could have done. I mean, it was a fantastic setup for when she kills him at the end because she left She left it in a place mm-hmm. where she could find it. Right, but it
2: wasn't just a good setup because of the plot. It also made sense for character motivation. Totally. And, and that, it just, it's just so rare to get both, especially in movies about invisible men in super suits. Like, that's another
0: another benefit of it being a a, a suit rather than a serum, because there are multiple suits. Yes. So there is the you know, she can have that suit hidden away. And there's also the uh, ambiguity about like, did the brother have his own suit or did Adrian? change with him, mm-hmm. like, and give him the suit. And also just, like, the fucking fight scene in the hospital where, like, oh. she stabs him with the pen so, like, the suit is, like, partially malfunctioning. Glitching out. And it looks so it's cool. cool. Like, so he's, really like, great. partially yeah. visible and then invisible. Like, that shit was so fucking cool. Yeah, that was the right
2: way to do it. Like, oh, really yeah. well handled. So you can, like, see him occasionally and you can start, like, placing his movements. It feels almost like a, um, like, like the old, got- like, the cool, like, nightcrawler scenes in the X-Men movies where he keeps, like, teleporting in and out of places. Yeah. So we can, like, see him for a moment and 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 then, like, disappear. And, like, you get a vibe, too, that the suit gives you super strength. Because, like, the the audio is so ramped up whenever he slams people. And it's so well executed. But I just, I love, I absolutely love how the cameras are designed to look so much like eyes that when they start like clicking in and out and they start like kind of undulating when they contract like they uh they really feel like eyes or uh, like on, on a device and how perfect you know for like an invisible you know a person who's like always like watching like to have like his whole like bodysuit covered in these like weird like camera yeah. eyes oh it's so it's and like I was, Lovecraftian almost
0: I love it I was so glad to see that they they did a part where she like fought him in the rain so she could like see him yeah as the water like I thought that was and <laughs> like, it's quick and it's That's that's been that's been done to death. Like that's like a whole part of Hollow Man. Which is why they don't overdo it. But I loved it. I like it. I think Mm -hmm. it's cool track the invisible man by getting him out in the rain so mm-hmm. you can like see his silhouette and, and the way like she is that guy's really car on yeah. the way
2: back yeah yeah they just nailed it they nailed so much you get so many wonderful moments of levity too like for as dark and as thematic as this is like the the first act has several like a good three or four sequences where where cecilia and james and sydney and even emily like are all like just being like kind in a family you know like we, right, we get for the these, brief
0: period of time where they think that Adrian is actually dead and that they that, that yeah. she might actually be free
2: they give us enough time to relate with those all
0: characters all the characters
2: are likable they're they're lovable they're all like people you can relate to and enjoy and you actually worry for when Sydney gets struck. Like I was mortified. Like, oh yeah. 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 That was, yeah. that was horrifying. I think that's it for me. I cool.
0: Uh, yeah. Do you guys want to rate this? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll start with this one. This was shockingly good. Yeah. I went into it expecting to have fun, but I wasn't, I honestly wasn't expecting much more than like mediocre, but like, holy shit. I've, I really liked this movie. Like the part where she actually gets Emily to agree to meet her in the restaurant, oh, and, the, yeah. and the knife appears out of nowhere and just like slits Emily's throat, and then slammed and into her hand, slammed into her hand. Yeah, and like I, I fucking gasped at that point. Like I brought my hand to my mouth. I was that caught me so by surprise. And there are like multiple moments in the movie where I, I had that same kind of reaction. Like fuck, man. If you had told me back in two thousand and three. That Lee Wanell would be like maybe one of the the best like horror writers and directors uh, uh, of of like the the late twenty teens. Uh, I would have said you're fucking crazy. It's a four and a half for me. This is a, a fucking fantastic movie.
1: Yeah, this movie impressed me so much. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect, especially with the trailers being kind of campy and leaning into some of the the bigger moments. But it's so mature, um, especially for Lee Winnell going off a of Upgrade. Elizabeth Moss gives an amazing, amazing, amazing performance. Yeah, everybody and I it. just sure. think this was an incredible movie. I am going to give it a five, actually. Holy I thought shit. it was amazing. Wow. Um, definitely worth checking out. I might see it again in theaters, honestly. Uh, ditto that. Five for me. Uh, no movie's perfect. This one's perfect for me. I would
2: gladly watch it again and will, and I'm going to be recommending it to all my friends also.
0: I I adore this film. Y'all realize that y'all both rated this higher than The Lodge. Yeah. That's surprising. To yeah, me. I thought I
1: liked this movie a little bit more
2: than the lodge. Wow. Uh, and in, in, in my uh, my rating for the lodge, I also preface by saying that like the lodge is a very justifiable five. It just for me hit me very personally,
0: and like I I couldn't. Yeah, do it. But, I mean no, like, that's, it's totally fair. No, this is yeah, this is great. Like this is the best movie I've seen this year, other than the lodge. I think it's, I think that the lodge. Close. I'm
2: glad you brought it up because like I think that the lodge is like a a better film. But, man, this film's so much fun. This is I, this is a great movie. I, I think this I, is a better film. Personally. I <laughs> loved it. Um, it was so
1: much fun. <laughs> well, we don't have official results for this one yet. Um, we'll do that next my week. My fingers are crossed that it's high. We do have preliminary Rotten Tomatoes. Last time... Let's just we can wait. cover on the next okay. one. It's,
0: it's, op- it's opening night. I'd say let's just wait. Let's give it its opening weekend okay. before we do I will results. say critics are loving this Yeah, movie. I saw Good. that too, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy about that. Uh, so shit, for The New Invisible Man, that's a 4.8 out of 5 pods on average. Next week, it's my choice, which I didn't realize until we were leaving the theater. <laughs> uh, so I have narrowed it down to two films – so I'm going to fucking flip a coin. Oh, nice. I'm going to flip a coin. All right. Uh, uh, Cleveland, call it. Heads. All right. It is tails. Oh. Uh, so we're going to do the descent. Excellent. Oh,
2: fun. I haven't seen that since. Oh, wow. wow. I must have been in like eighth grade ninth I, grade like I, seen, I was a i was a tyke i've seen the descent
0: many many times and it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time oh, uh, so uh, yeah next week we'll be talking about the descent nice um, get your birthday candles ready <laughs> yeah right uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> cleveland who's our sponsor this
2: week this week is brought to you by a wonderful sponsor Tired of invisible armies trying to take over the invisible world and rule from their invisible towers of invisible madness? Fear no more. Now with Mr. Invisibles, invisible guns. (laughs) (laughs) Having a problem
0: with an invisible man? Just get an invisible gun. Problem solved. It takes an invisible bullet to kill an invisible (laughs) man. Thanks, Mister Invisibles. You're,
2: you can't hear it because it's an invisible. You're welcome,
0: but not inaudible. (laughs) (laughs) I guess both the inaudible man. uh...
1: (laughs) That's the sequel we need. You can can see him,
0: but you can't hear him. (laughs) So terrifying. (laughs) uh okay well that's it for this week uh if you like the podcast go on to apple Podcasts and leave us a five star uh rating and a nice review all of that good shit uh follow us on twitter at pod, pod and on letterbox.com slash pod people for the list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those corresponding episodes uh, follow me on Twitter at DeepStateOzzy. I'm at Mr. Sheets, And I'm uh, occasionally tweeting for LightArk
2: Studio as we further our progress on It Stares Back. Go on Steam, check it out. We're in early access. It'll uh, never be a better time to get it. it it's, right not,
0: now. it's not an invisible game. It's not. It's real. You the can fun, play it. It's the fun, there. <laughs> the fun is visible. <laughs> it is.
1: Uh, Guaranteed.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, tune in next week. We're gonna be talking about the descent. Yeehaw! Uh, And always remember that if you can't see me, then throw some paint on me. I can hold you tight and use
1: my gaslight. Baby, talk to me. You've been acting strange. I can see in your eyes. And these checks are all crazy, I'm not surprised Cause I've seen it before, don't go lying now Baby, your dates are all hazy, hear me out I'm a nice guy In the night, use my gaslight